Uh, I got to thinking about this in my mind. You know, we have to define our terms when we talk to people sometimes. For example, that last song, if you say, I'm going to see a victory to a motorcycle person, they're going to say, yeah, I'm going to, too. I'm going down to the Victory Motorcycle Shop. I'm going to see a victory, too. So, all right, if you have your Bibles, please turn to 2 Corinthians today. Sorry, I threw some threw people for a loop. Karen, I apologize. I moved on. <laughs> and forgot to tell you. <laughs> I do that all the time. All right, well, today's, today's title of the message is, is, What do you do with the bad times in life? What do you do with the bad times? While you're turning there, I'll give you a little story here. Bobby was sitting on the porch talking to his grandpa when he innocently asked, Grandpa, do you know how to make animal sounds? Well, I sure do, Grandpa replied. What sort of animal sound would you like to hear? How about a toad? Do you know how to sound like a toad? Well, sure, Grandpa said, and he cupped his hands to his mouth, and he went, Grrrk, grrrk, how do you like that? Yippee, Bobby screamed, jumping up and down. We're going to Disney World. Huh? Grandpa was a little bewildered, and he said, Why's, why's that? Because Grandma said so, Bobby patiently explained. She said that after you croak, we'll all go to Disney World. Talk about defining your terms. <laughs> Sometimes you find yourself in some of life's troubles and, and you just need to work through it. Like Grandpa in our story is going to have to work through his particular circumstance with Grandma. All right, we're in the book of 2 Corinthians today, and this was believed to be written around sometime uh, AD 54. Uh, a Corinthian delegation arrived in Ephesus and reporting major problems in the church. And during this time, a letter was brought from some Corinthian members raising a number of questions. 1 Corinthians was Paul's initial response to these reports and questions. And soon afterward, Paul dispatched Timothy to bring back news of how that letter that we just looked at was received by them. Well, Timothy's report was pretty negative, so alarming, in fact, that Paul made an unscheduled journey to Corinth we know of. And Paul found the church in major disarray, uh, with many members openly rebellious against him. And Paul said this second visit to Corinth was a painful visit. And upon returning to Ephesus, Paul wrote a letter delivered by Titus later. Sometimes it's termed the severe letter. We don't have that particular letter, letter but he called upon the Corinthians to recognize Paul's apostolic authority. Sometime afterwards, circa AD 55, Paul left Ephesus and he traveled north to Troas. Now, Troas was a port city, a city where of great um, economic freedom. And there he had arranged to meet Titus and hear how the Corinthians had responded to his severe letter. Well, he didn't find Titus there. So Paul crossed over to Macedonia to wait for him in that location. And eventually Titus arrived and he reported to the Corinthians' response to the recent letter and he brought news of other developments in Corinth and the book of 2 Corinthians was written out of that response which actually is his fourth letter to the church. We're missing two of them. And that was Paul's response to the news brought by Titus. And so we're going to look at Paul's response to the news that was brought by Titus 
going forward. So today we're going to look at our biblical text is going to be 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 1 through 11 and then we'll key in on certain verses for the rest of the time together. And it starts out, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth with all the saints who are in all Achaia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast, because we know that as you are partakers of the suffering, so also you will be partake of the consolation. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and does deliver us in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. You also helping together in prayer for us, that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, for in it we find life and we find truth. And Lord, sometimes that life and truth says we need to straighten up or we need to change who we are. God, help us to be willing to submit to you. Forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, use me in spite of myself, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. The life principle for the day is your life experiences brings comfort and strength to others, as well as bringing God glory, as well as bringing God glory. Number one, your experiences may bring comfort to others. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, I'm going to start at. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. You should probably underline all comfort there. Who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are afflicted, it is for our comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which accomplishes in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we experience. And our hope for you is sure, because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you will share in our comfort. You know, I've got news for so-called fair-weather Christians. These are the type that, you know, show up once in a while to church, and, and maybe, if you're lucky, uh, they might even crack their Bibles once in a great while. But I've got news for them, and I've got news for, for us, is that life for the Christian is not about ease and comfort. While there is comfort and peace from God, it is not in the absence of trial or in the absence of tribulations. 
It is during those trials. It is during those troubles. It is a supernatural gift from a loving God that is in spite of trials and tribulations that we find God's comfort. We're promised that we will have trials. We're promised that we will have tribulations, not the lack therein. John 15, 18 says, If the world hates you, understand that it hated me first. If you were of the world, it would love you as its own. Instead, the world hates you because you are not of the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. And that is the status of the Christian, to be chosen out of the world. Remember the word that I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you as well. If they kept my word, they will keep yours as well. But they will treat you like this because of my name, since they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now, however, they have no excuse for their sin. And whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I have not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. Folks, if they hated Jesus, they're going to hate us too. Matthew 10, 24, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple to be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed and nothing hidden that will not be made known. It is hard to not be afraid in situations like that. That's why we're given the Holy Spirit. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the housetops. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Instead, fear the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Even if you're bald, like me, N-A-W. So do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Do not assume that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. What's he talking about here? He's talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, to be a Jew at this time and to accept Christ and to follow Christ would put you at odds with your family, kind of like it does now for the Muslims. Did you know that if they accept Christ, they're usually put out of the household? if they're not killed outright. There are a lot of secret Muslims who have trouble because of that going on. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. 
Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. According to our main text, we're, we're comforted by God when we seek him out during life's most awful circumstances, and there are some pretty awful circumstances that a lot of you have been through, and yet here you are worshiping God. Jesus never promised you wouldn't have trouble, but he did promise he would comfort you and give you supernatural peace if you seek him. He will walk with you through all of your troubles. All you have to do is seek him. What does that look like? Well, in Matthew chapter 7, it looks like this. Verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? 2 Corinthians 1, 5 says, For just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which accomplishes in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we experience. And our hope for you is sure, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also will you share in our comfort. You know, our so-called negative experiences that we go through, it's not just for God to comfort you. It's for others too. It's for others to see God's work in you. It's for you to comfort others that are going through some of the same things that you've already been through. But today there's a disconnect in the churches. We don't talk about the negativities anymore. We don't talk about the things we're actually going through. How are you today? Oh, I'm blessed and highly flavored. And that's all you hear. You don't hear the things that are really going on. How shameful that is for us. We should be lifting each other up. Paul says that if he goes through hard times, it's for their comfort and their Christian walk. If he is comforted, then he makes sure that others know about it in his hard times. And we're going to find that in this book in 2 Corinthians. We do not live in a vacuum. Our lives can touch others for good or for wrong or for ill. It is up to us as to whether we rely on Christ and receive his comfort or not. Did you know that? It is up to you whether you receive Christ's comfort or not. You can be mad at God. What's going to happen then? Well, you've turned your back a little bit there, haven't you? But as Peter said, to whom else will I go to? Who else have the, has the words of eternal life? Just God. Ever wonder why two people can go through the same troubles and one of them comes out humble praising God and the other comes out bitter toward the world and toward God? You ever wonder how that happens? Well, it was each person's choice as to what they were going to decide to do. You're going to be mad? You're going to be bitter? Or are you going to let it go and let God work on your heart, work in your life? And then later you can say, this happened to me, look at what God did. One praises God for his comfort and humbles themselves before him. 
The other gets mad at God in the world and takes that anger out on all who are before them. God has always set before us two roads. Did you know that? He says those two roads are life and death. And he's asked us to make a choice. You have to make a choice, and you make that choice every day, especially when you're going through trials and tribulation. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19 says, I call heaven and earth as witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Even God says, hey, I've set this before you. Here's the right answer. Go ahead and mark that on your bubble sheet. Put it down for the teacher. Choose life. Choose life. And that's what we preach is life. Life more abundantly and free in Christ. Number two, your experiences bring life and strength to others as a Christian. As a Christian, your experiences should bring life and strength to others. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. We do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the hardships we encountered in the province of Asia. We were under a burden far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we felt we were under the sentence of death, in order that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God, who raises the dead. You know, Paul suffered greatly on a lot of his missionary journeys. And at this time... He was in the province of Asia, what we would call Asia Minor. And have you ever heard that God will not put on, on you more than you can handle or more than you can bear? You ever heard that? Ah, that's straight from the pit of hell. Did you know that? Let me, let me explain why. Let me tell you the harsh reality, why it's a lie. God always, you can mark that in your Bible, asterisk it, whatever, write it down. God always puts on people more than they can bear. Always. And a case in point is right here. He writes, we were under a burden far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life. Guess what? If you're despairing of life, that's more than you can bear. That's a lot more than you can bear. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on to say that they felt they were under a death sentence, yes. Folks, that's a burden. If you feel like you're under a death sentence, that's a burden. And when you have troubles that are so bad that you feel like you might fall apart, God is there to comfort you and to teach you something through it as well. Every time. But you got to seek him out. Why was Paul, somebody asks, why was Paul allowed to endure such hardship? if he was going to be used so mightily of God. Here's what I've noticed. For every mighty man or woman of God found in the Bible, they always endure hardship so that God can be seen good out of that circumstance. So that God's glory may be revealed to the people who watch it. Why was Paul allowed to endure such hardships? Well, Paul writes that he should not trust in himself but in God. A God that is so powerful that even he raises the dead. He says he raises the dead. They have never seen that before. 
To us, it's like, well, yeah, God raises the dead. But to them, they'd never heard of it. They'd never seen it. The only time they'd heard of it was when some, some dead man was thrown into the tomb of Elisha and his bones brought him back to life. That's the only time that's ever happened until Jesus. Then we got people being raised from the dead. And when he ascended 500, people saw him ascend. That's power, folks. He raises the dead. And Paul, in his thinking, I believe, if God can raise the dead, do you not think that he has a purpose for your life circumstances? Do you, not, do you think he forgot about you or that you slipped his mind? Guess what? He hasn't. He knows the hairs on your head or the lack thereof. Matthew chapter 6, 25 says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Oh, that we would all live by that one. And why do you worry about clothes? Consider how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his glory was ordained like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which are here today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles strive after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Today has enough trouble of its own. You know, I work with a teacher, and she lost her son a couple of years ago. It was so bad that she stopped teaching for about a year and a half. Uh, he was hit by a hit and run. And they had to track down who hit him. And the judge, unfortunately, was very lenient on the other person's sentencing, which caused her untold amounts of pain and despair. And not only did it feel to her like a slap on the wrist for taking someone's life, it felt to her like she was being ignored. You know what happened? She eventually sought God, and she kept laying at his feet this, this anger, this bitterness toward the individual. But she kept going back to pick it up. That's her own words. That's what she told me. She kept going back to pick it up again and again. And through this process, though, she has remained humble, before God, she doesn't understand why or how he's working this all to his glory, but she's trusting him. Her story, her pain and grief, and how she has dealt with it has become a powerful testimony in her life toward others. She touched me by, by how humble she has been and how hurt she has been and how open she has been. She's touching people she doesn't even know she's touching. Her pain and the comfort she finds in Christ is overflowing to others. And through this one person and the pain and, and, and all of this and the subsequent comfort that comes from God, we learn many lessons. 
But one strong lesson is that the Christian life is much more than just platitudes and how you doing and good feelings and positive speaking. It is true life found in Christ alone. That's where life is. Number three, God's comfort is ultimately about his glory, not yours. God's comfort is ultimately about his glory. 2 Corinthians, look at verse 10 and 11, and then we'll close. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. In him we have placed our hope that he will yet again deliver us. As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the favor shown us in answer to their prayers. We say Paul was such a strong believer and such a practical, humble person too, and we'll see that in in this book as he has to defend his apostleship later on and Paul had many many oppositions did you know he was even stoned to death and he had to be subsequently raised from the dead he was beaten he was shipwrecked he was bitten by a, a dangerous serpent and he didn't die and many other hardships for the name of Christ yet he still says he placed his hope in Christ alone does he account his comfort in Christ to himself Because he's just a great guy? Absolutely not. He says because of his past experiences with God, he knows that God will deliver him again because of the believers who are praying for him, because of the prayers that are made on his behalf by the believers at the church in Corinth. He attributes coming through his troubles to others' prayers said on his behalf. He even says that God will get the glory for it, not just from him, but from all those who give thanks on his behalf for the favor that will be shown to him and his ministry associates with him in answer to their prayer. In this, God gets the maximum glory, the maximum glory, because it's not just about Paul. It's not just those immediately around him either but about those who are praying for them as well. They all praise God for his power and goodness shown toward Paul. You know, if Paul had not been shipwrecked, a lot of people may not have come to Christ that came to Christ on that island. You know, if if Paul had not been put in prison, we wouldn't have what we call the prison letters. The same could be said for you as we pray, teach, and share the gospel to those around us. God will get the maximum glory. Not only for those works, but because he answers prayers. Which, by the way, just a real quick thing on prayer. God answers prayer in three ways. He says yes, he says no, and he says not yet time. He says yes, no, and not yet time. In all three scenarios, we're to trust God because he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who approaches Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. And it's not talking about necessarily financial rewards there. It's talking about personal victories. We're going to see a victory today, tomorrow, 
And when we raise from the grave, we're going to see a victory, folks, as the ladies come. We're going to see a victory. Your life experiences bring comfort and strength to others as well as bringing glory to God. If you're a Christian, I want you to know this one thing. Jesus said, count the cost. Count the cost. What does it cost you to serve Jesus Christ? It costs everything. All that you are to serve Christ. If you haven't come to that reality yet, you need to. Otherwise, you're just here playing church. We like having you. We love you. But we'd like to see you in heaven even more. So if you don't know Jesus, you can know him today. You can just say, you say, I need Jesus. Pastor, I need Jesus. Okay. Tell him that. Jesus, I need you. You can be saved like that. How about for the rest of us? that are Christians in this place. Have you gone through some hard times lately? Guess what? I got some news for you. It ain't shouting news, but it's some news. You're going to go through some hard times again because that's what life is about, unfortunately. You see, Adam and Eve, they, they went after that knowledge of good and evil, and unfortunately, that caused a curse called sin. And now that sin has been let loose in the world, now we've got to deal with troubles and tribulations. It comes in cycles, usually. So if you're coming out of a trial and a tribulation, praise God. If you're going into a trial and tribulation, guess what? Praise God. That's one thing I know. I will praise God. As for me and my house, we will praise the Lord. God is good. And if you can spread that to others, you will see salvations. Let me tell you a little story. I know a deacon in another Southern Baptist church, tall guy, six foot. When he says, let me talk to you, it's in a deep voice. And you just kind of stand there like, yes, sir, what can I do for you? And uh, he was a meat cutter for 30 years. So, you know, if you know that part about him and you see how tall he is and that deep voice, you definitely just stop. You are arrested in your steps right there. All right. Um, but every time he goes into the hospital, which he has a lot lately over the past few years, he takes his keychains with him, little flashlights. And he says to the nurses and the doctors and they come in, and he says, before you leave. Let me uh, let me share this with you. Would you like a free flashlight? Let me tell you who the light of the world is. It's Jesus Christ. I can't tell you the number of doctors and nurses that have prayed to receive Christ right there at his hospital bed. I can't tell you the number of people that have been with him in another bed that have prayed to receive Christ right there. And I can't tell you the number of people who have asked to be moved away from him because he wants them to pray to receive Christ right there. That's the way the Christian life is meant to be lived. That's somebody that loves Jesus. And if you're not there yet, you got to repent. Hey, there are days I'm not there. 
and I have to repent. I look at him and I go, oh, Lord, how do I become like him? Because he models the Christian life. That's where we want to be. So as we stand and sing the invitation hymn, I want you to examine your heart and say, Lord, where am I? Where do I want to be? So as we stand and sing, you may come down. I can pray with you for special prayer if you like. If you'd like to join the church by letter, statement, or baptism, we can do that. If you'd like to receive Christ, we can do that too. As we stand and sing. Ladies.